Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. Hey everyone, it's Scott Bland. Welcome to the morning after and a special edition of the Nerdcast. We are uh, taping this special episode to take political stock of the two huge legal developments affecting the president in the last 24 hours. His former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort's conviction on eight federal counts of financial crimes, and potentially more importantly, his former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen's guilty plea to eight federal counts, including one where he admitted breaking campaign finance laws at the direction of then-candidate Donald Trump. So here to talk about it, we've got uh, Chris Catalago from our White House team. Hi, Chris. Good to be here. And also Josh Gerstein, who has been following very closely the legal side of all this uh, from, from the courtroom in Alexandria and uh, everywhere in between for the last few weeks uh, for the Manafort trial. Hey, guys. It's good to be back at the Politopolis after <laughs> life on the road just a few miles away. Yeah. So, Josh, talk, talk us through the events of yesterday. I mean, you you were simultaneously writing two different stories about about top former top advisors to the president uh, going down for, for major crimes. Yeah, it was sort of one of those um, really mind-splitting moments, uh, almost literally uh, around 4 o'clock when uh, we learned that there would be a guilty plea from Michael Cohen around the same time, and then we heard that verdicts were coming in um, in the Manafort case. Uh, it's a little uh, difficult for those of us who are covering it because you're sort of isolated when you're in the courthouse, so we didn't know in, in real time entirely what was playing out with respect to Cohen. But as we went in and out, we knew that he was headed into court to um, make some pretty serious guilty pleas. But uh, it seemed like a pretty dramatic uh, moment. It had been building at least in Alexandria all day because we'd gotten an indication from the jury uh, before noontime that they were stuck on at least one of the counts in the case. And so it sounded like they were at you know, halfway through their fourth day of deliberations coming to the end of the process. There was some debate about whether they were stuck on one count or stuck on many counts, and it turned out that they were stuck on 10 counts, but um, Manafort still convicted on eight, which is pretty pretty bad to be convicted of eight federal felonies for most defendants in most situations. But I, I agree with you, the, the Cohen thing in New York may be more uh, politically salient and politically damaging to the president because what Manafort was convicted of there were only a few counts that had anything to do with um, the, the campaign uh, that alleging that Manafort traded on his influence to get loans. Those counts actually were some of the ones that the jury couldn't reach a decision on. And so what he was convicted of were all sort of tax crimes and other crimes that long predate his, ser predate his service uh, on the Trump campaign. I think the Cohen thing is – is potentially much more damaging to the president. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the political exposure uh, to the president uh, from the Michael Cohen case. I and mean, what the the Cohen plea uh, it, it describes Trump as individual one in court papers. But what what does it mean? Uh, what what does it seem to mean for him? Well, I mean, it's pretty serious for a president to be uh, implicated in criminal activity, a federal criminal felony type activity. And, you know, it's hard to think of anything without going back to Watergate uh, that sort of is on these uh, – on this scale or uh, of this nature. Uh, that said, I will tell you uh, I have a little bit of a, 
um, iconoclastic view on this. I'm not sure that it's the case that just because Michael Cohen says that he committed a crime and the president told him to do it, that that means that the president committed a crime. Um, to violate election law uh, criminally, you really have to know that what you're doing is illegal. And as long as Trump has the out that he didn't know uh, that this kind of a payoff was a violation of election law or maybe Michael Cohen told him it wasn't or maybe he just thought if he went through Cohen it was legal. I think in legal terms the president has an out. Um, but That's very interesting. And of course he also from in legal terms has the out of being president, right? And there's that long running question of whether a sitting president can, can be indicted or not. Right. I mean, the the Justice Department view is that a sitting president cannot be indicted, and we think that uh, Special Counsel Robert Mueller has to follow um, that policy. So it's an interesting legal question about whether, you know, Michael Cohen could admit to guilt for something and the president might not be guilty of it. Uh, but ultimately, the only remedy that I think is on the table right now is impeachment, and that's really more a political question than a legal question. So the niceties and nuances of whether the president could be criminally charged for this are probably slightly beside the point, although obviously they're being discussed on TV ad nauseum today. Why, why not, right? Chris, I want to bring you in here. The president did a rally last night in West Virginia. Uh, he was on Twitter this morning. Um, Josh just talked us through some of the options here in terms of uh, spinning this or explaining it or, or dealing with it, what have you. Uh, wh what exactly is the president doing and what is what is the strategy that the White House is trying to build up to deal with uh, especially the Cohen case but but also the, the Manafort uh, uh, conviction yesterday? Yeah, the, two, the, the thing they're really leaning on right now is this idea that uh, Trump has been drilling down for months now, which is that neither of these amount to collusion. I think politically- With Russians. With Russians. And I think that politically, this is sort of a double-edged sword for both parties right now. From the Republican perspective, we started to hear from folks last night that this could really start laying the groundwork for a real impeachment argument on the Democratic side. Now, there's uh, a reason why some Republicans are talking up impeachment now because they feel like it's the one way to nationalize the midterms and have- uh, Republicans in this, uh, you know, maybe way base election, and that it'll work in their favor at least for the next couple months. And we know that Democrats uh, are not talking about it for the most part. Nancy Pelosi's statement last night did not mention it. Um, they're sort of trying to shy away from it for the most part, definitely from the leadership perspective. Now, the problem for Democrats is if they come out and on the record say, hey, there's not enough here for impeachment yet, and this is all that ends up. Uh, uh, being out there against Donald Trump, this is all that they might have after winning the House, then they're already on the record saying there's not enough out there. So they're sort of trying to, I think, keep their powder dry, not necessarily uh, lean on that argument because they feel like it's not helpful for them politically in the midterms. And they also don't really want to be on the record uh, for the most part. Again, there are uh, certainly more calls, I think, uh, among um, the the progressive side of the aisle saying, you know, this is a slam dunk. We've been saying it for months. This just gives us more fodder. Um, but I think if they the more they commit to it now or don't commit to it, they're going to be held to, to a lot of that uh, once uh, if and when they win the House. And so I think people are trying to make the calculation of what's the smartest thing to say right now. Mm, that's interesting. From the Republican perspective, though, I mean, I, I understand the argument that that impeachment revs up base Republicans who might not be 
as interested in voting as they've ever been uh, right now. But aren't Republicans freaking out a little bit at, at this point after uh, certainly, and uh, you know, Josh made a very good point about how just because because of what Cohen said, it doesn't because of the the vagaries of campaign finance law and and the other legal issues at play. It doesn't necessarily mean that that Trump committed a crime. But like this this is a big this is a, a a big thing, and it seems like uh, there there was kind of a I don't know if you'd call it a breaking point, but definitely a shift in the way some Republicans were thinking about Trump's uh, legal and political jeopardy. Yeah, I mean the fact that. Folks were talking about him as being essentially politically invincible and that nothing could stop him. And we started to hear from some allies and, and folks who who sort of know the law coming in last night and saying, hey, he may actually be in some real jeopardy here. We did start to hear much more of that last night than you had heard before. Uh, there's still like widespread disagreement. I mean, th- this election uh, coming up, uh, there are not a lot of folks out there um, on one side of the aisle or the other that Donald Trump is really going to persuade, right? So um, they know that he's the best mobilizer in the party right now. And so he's really, you know, the, you sort of win with Trump or you you die by Trump. And that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, and there's nothing they could do, even if they feel in their heart of hearts that this is a problem for him. They just have to sort of wait it out and see how bad it gets. Yeah, that's a great point. Josh? I mean, the the shoe that I'm waiting on dropping here, and I'd be eager to hear what Chris thinks about this, is the pardon um, question, uh, particularly with respect to, to Manafort. Um, there have been so many sympathetic tweets from Trump uh, over the course of the last few days about Manafort. Now one saying that he has a great family, he's been treated unfairly, uh, a couple saying that people's lives are being ruined. Uh, it just seems to me that somebody who believes that people's lives are being ruined and has the power to fix the situation is going to be very tempted uh, to do that. And uh, the question may just be how long Trump's advisors can hold him off in issuing pardons, probably not just for Manafort, but maybe for many people. I don't think Michael Cohen, because I think Cohen has now cast his lot against the president, which that, that relationship seems like it's <laughs> right. That seems to be ruptured permanently. Uh, and the, the implications of pardoning somebody who's accusing you of something. Um, I think are probably, you know, maybe may beyond the pale even for, for this president to consider. But uh, for people that he feels are being unfairly targeted by Mueller or the fallout of the Mueller prosecution, uh, I just don't see why he wouldn't do it. He's done uh, pardons for people, you know, far less connected in situations that he wasn't even following that closely. It seems like here, unless, again, unless his advisors like wrestle the pen out of his hand, which I suspect they've probably done several times already, maybe already did within hours of the Manafort verdict. Um, how many times are they going to be able to do that before he manages to uh, to sign off on something and push it out the door? And who who has to threaten to resign to prevent him from doing it? Things like that. It does feel a lot like a question of timing with the pardon. I know you know there's this upcoming uh, trial for Manafort, his second one. Uh, there's been some speculation about do they wait for that to happen before. I don't know when that would conclude and what the timing would be with the midterms, but that might make some sense if he um, you know, has got this verdict, he, he gets another one, and then uh, potentially does the pardon then. One last point here before we wrap it up. Josh, uh, the, the Mueller probe in general uh, has been coming under increasing pressure, at least publicly, from Trump and his allies, but has now secured a conviction in front of a jury. Do you think that is going to 
uh, kind of change the the optics surrounding that at all that that it it kind of proves in in, in not just in the court of public opinion but in the court of law that there there is something to what the 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 special counsel is in, investigating here. So I think the Manafort convictions are kind of a, a modest benefit to the overall Mueller probe and its status and its legitimacy. Um, to have a big trial showdown and to win eight felony convictions uh, uh, is a significant thing. That said, the critics of Mueller, including the president, the president's allies, um, can still point out that these charges really had nothing to do with the campaign. Uh, they had certainly nothing over to do with Russia. Uh, we've heard this no collusion, no collusion. They can't find the collusion refrain from the president now. Um, and so I don't think that this gets Mueller around that problem that at least with respect to, to those charges against Manafort, uh, that he's barking up a tree that is not the Russia tree. Now, he maybe is playing a long game and thinks if he has the trial on the tax and bank fraud charges and then the one that seems a little closer to Russia having to do with lobbying for Ukraine and for oligarchs who are, you know, in, in perhaps in Putin's pocket, uh, that then we're starting to get closer uh, to collusion. But um, it seems to me like it's, uh, like I said, something that is somewhat beneficial to Mueller. Uh, but it doesn't really extinguish the main complaints that the critics of the investigation have been leveling um, almost since Mueller was was assigned the task uh, about, you know, a, almost a year and a half ago now. Uh, that's that's a good point. Of course, uh, there's almost nothing that could extinguish the complaints from from some of his main critics. But uh, but it, it, it will be interesting to see, um, you know, if public opinion shifts or anything like that. Well, Thank you both for uh, taking the time to sit down uh, for this uh, special extra episode. Chris, thank you very much. Yeah, great to be back. Josh, thank you. Thanks, Scott. No problem. Get some sleep. Thank you. I'll try. (laughs) 